we're going to talk about emergency room mistakes. Hey everybody, this is Nancy May from Doing It Best with Elder Care Success. And this is a wee spring brief. What are spring briefs? Well, spring briefs are short episodes that give you tips, tricks, resources, and ideas to get you through the long spring days, which can sometimes be a bit tough and challenging, even for the strongest of us. So stay tuned and hang tight as we dive into this next spring brief. Picture this. You're standing on the train platform on a crisp spring morning watching the sun come up while you wrap your cold fingers around a warm cup of coffee. Leery-eyed, your phone rings. Bing, bing, bing. It's Dad, he says very quickly. Don't worry, Mom's just been taken to the emergency room department by ambulance. We think she's had a heart attack. I'll call you later. I'm okay. Bye. Your dad has the sound of a calm panic in his voice, and you call your sister. Guess what? She's just received the same call from dad. And you both kind of giggle nervously. But then you call one of your local friends who's always been there to help. She rushes to your mom's side knowing that your dad is in a mental fog and won't be able to answer any emergency department medical questions. That's for sure. By the way, this is a true story of something that happened to both my sister and myself, and more importantly, mom. Thankfully, we had a good friend, Jacqueline Morris, who was always there at mom's side when she needed. Those two were inseparable. But even with all the help that you can dig up and muster for dad, oh, and by the way, mom's laying there too, wondering what's next as she knows that your father is out pacing the halls, trying to find a coffee, or better yet, trying to find the change in the bottom of that pocket with a hole in it because the coffee shop is closed. Accidents and mistakes do happen in the ER, and that's exactly what this show's about. No, it's not always a safe place, even though we've all been trained that that's the first place to go in case of an emergency. It still is if there's a life-threatening situation, and please trust that. However, accidents, deaths, and your chances of survival do have some implications there. Here are some ways to improve your odds of survival and a positive outcome. First, let me share that mistakes do happen in the ER about 5 to 10% of the time. That's roughly about 10 million patients per year. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but I gotta tell you, I don't wanna be one of those 10 million. Do you? Yes, some are minor mistakes, but some are actually life-threatening. And that's where we need to start talking now. So let's start with number one, where big mistakes happen. Number one is misdiagnosis. This is a big issue because sometimes emergency room departments are actually busy, crazy, hectic places. And that's probably more often than not. Misdiagnosis happens when there's a lot of distraction, sometimes miscommunication, and other things are going on. Maybe even just be a young doctor who doesn't know what your issue could possibly be. And that could be just simply due to lack of experience. Number two is speed or lack of speed in getting the right help that you need at that time. Please note that the emergency department treats people based on the most critical issue first. So if you're having a heart attack and somebody comes in with a laceration that might be somewhat minor and needs stitches, you're going to get the help first. However, there's a caveat to that. If a younger patient comes in with the same critical issue, let's say a heart attack again, and your elderly father is also having a heart attack, 
chances are they will work to save the life of the younger person first. That issue is for another show, but it does happen. Three, wrong drugs for the wrong reason at the wrong time, aka medication mistakes. This can even happen after they've been admitted to the hospital. It happened to my husband, and he had the wherewithal to tell the nurse, I'm not taking that medication. But her reply was, well, sir, it's standard procedure for all patients. His reply was, well, your standard practice could kill me. Are you ready for that one? I'm not. Needless to say, he did not take that medication. And no, she did not read his chart. Four, test results that are incorrect or interpreted or read wrong. This happens more frequently than you might realize. One study I found noted that x-ray and MRI technicians who had a photo of the patient attached to the image that they were reading were actually more accurate in their interpretation if the photo of the patient was attached to the x-ray or the MRI image. Hmm, kind of interesting, huh? Maybe I should put in my go bag a family portrait, you know, the one where I look better than the rest of them, for my next trip to the ER, which I hope isn't anytime soon. The fifth is when a doctor is not able to take on or treat all patients, which sometimes can result in refusal for somebody to be seen in the ER. This isn't typically an issue to worry about, but if you don't have health insurance or are visiting from outside the country, this might turn into an issue for you or a loved one. Please note that an emergency room and emergency department is not supposed to turn away anybody. Yet, I have seen an admitting nurse more than once refuse service to people who show up regularly with different social security numbers or just apparently lonely or even suffering from some type of mental illness. I know this is kind of disturbing to see, and it was when I've seen it. But when I heard the story from the admitting nurse, I guess I kind of thought about it and said, mm, I get your point of view. Still, it's not good. It's not nice. And also, it's important to know that the emergency department should not take the place of your regular physician. That's critical because they are designed specifically for emergencies, hence the name. A lot of people actually do this more frequently than you might realize, especially if they have some level of concern about their particular overseeing physician or don't have one. Sixth, being discharged without enough information for anybody to handle their own care or for you as a caregiver not to be able to handle somebody's care. You can be discharged too quickly without the right support needed at home or even just the wrong kind of information on what to do next. No hospital wants you to return back to the emergency room or an emergency department for any reason whatsoever, especially if your parents are on Medicare or Medicaid. Why? Well, this actually impacts their reimbursements. So typically, this is the last issue that you're going to be really dealing with. Finally, and the biggie one here, is miscommunication or not enough information. You'd be surprised at how much is not conveyed from one shift to the next or from you to the doctor or from the doctor to some other specialist. Make sure you write down all the information that you've got for your parent or your loved one that you are advocating for. This is why I always promote having a file of life. Even if you have something on your phone, a paper file of life is critically important because it's fast, it's easy for people to get their hands on, and it's quickly copied in the emergency department if needed. You can get one free of charge through me, and I'll put a link in the show notes. 
This is important. Whatever you do, please make sure you have an old-fashioned paper manual file of life. I keep one. My husband keeps one. And when he went to the emergency department last time and I wasn't in the state, the doctor told him, where'd you get this? This could save more lives than anything. He smiled and he said, don't worry, I created it. Well, kind of. In any case, please note that emergency departments are good places to go to in case of an emergency. Chances are that you will do just fine and sail through with all the support that you need. But still, these are the top critical things you need to watch out for. Listen again if you have any questions. And if you have any concerns whatsoever, please make sure that communication is your top priority in the emergency department. Stay calm, take a deep breath, be an advocate for the person that you love and are taken care of. And if for any reason whatsoever, somebody is saying no, you stand up and you make sure they get to yes. That's it. Have a safe trip to the emergency department next time you have to go. If you like the show and it's been helpful, please share a link with a friend, a family member, or another loved one. Why? Because it's your gift to them. And yes, this is my gift to you. It's Nancy here doing it best with Elder Care Success. And we'll see you soon. Or as I like to say, we'll hear you soon. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity LLC. All rights reserved. Caremanity LLC.